Hello, I'm Patricia, and this is the Poetry Pete podcast. This is a very special edition of Poetry Pete, which I'll tell you about in a minute. But I have a couple of things to remind you about first. If you're listening to this in real time, that's the end of August 2023, Shane, our Highburn editor, and I are coming to the end of a Highburn reading period. If you sent us Highburn and are expecting an answer and haven't received it by the 1st of September, don't hesitate to get in touch. Email me and ask. We have an extremely busy September in front of us, quite apart from a podcast every Monday. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and or YouTube. We have three reading periods. The YouTube prompt, you have all of September to write for that. A haiku submission period from the 1st to the 15th. This time we're concentrating on haiku with a cut. If you're wondering what all that is about, Carla Ramesh, one of India's finest short form poets, gave a presentation in episode 22 this year. And last but not least, I'm reading split sequences later in the month, from the 16th to the end of the month. Well, busy, busy, busy. I'll need a few coffees to keep me going. Now, on with the business of the podcast. I was highly honoured and moved to tears when Sean O'Connor, a poet whose writing I very much admire, got in touch and said, would I like to host the launch of his book? The God of Bones. What a daft question. Of course I'd love to. And so I did. There are two parts to it. Today I'm bringing you a recording of his reading and some of the comments that followed. And in another episode, I'll bring you some of the questions that Sean's audience asked him. I want Sean to have the last word today. So may I thank you at this point for joining us. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. And I hope it sends you off to your notebook to write some super haiku, haibun, prose, or whatever takes your fancy. I know it did me. The link to Sean's website where you can find out all about him, this book, The God of Bones, the haibun journal that he founded, and you're not going to believe this, but he's only gone and done it again. There's a new book out, A Patch of Earth. All will be in the show notes at the Poetry P website, so you can click that link, head over to Sean's website and have a look around. So now, let me hand over to Kim Richardson, founder of Albert Publishing, to introduce today's reading of The God of Bones. As I'm the publisher, it falls to me to welcome everybody to this um, wonderfully international launch. I'm looking at the greetings coming from everywhere, from America to Zurich to England to Ireland to all over the world. It, this is absolutely one of the wonders of Zoom. So very big welcome to all of you. And uh, I'm going to hand over to Patricia Maguire of Poetry P, who uh, is um, very kindly launching this uh, fine book. The God of Bones. Patricia, over to you. For those of you who don't know me, I'm I'm Patricia. I'm the managing editor at Poetry P. And for those of you who don't yet know us, where have you been? We've been going for about six years now. But seriously, 
please have a look at our website, poetryp.com, where all our work will be revealed to you. The podcasts, the YouTube readings, the workshops, our journals, and our submissions calendar in case you fancy submitting work to us. I'm truly honoured to be hosting this launch of Sean's wonderful book, The God of Bones. Now, before I hand back to Sean, because you haven't really signed up to listen to me, I'd like to say a little bit about his book. Some of you, if not all of you, will have read it already, and I look forward to hearing from you what you thought. I think The God of Bones is a remarkable piece of work. It pushes the boundaries of what we'd expect from Highburn writing. And it certainly opened my eyes to a world of possibilities for the Highburn, for which, Sean, I thank you. And I wonder, did any of you find a resemblance to the writing of Gabriel Garcia Marquez? If you don't get the chance to tell me later, email me. My contacts are on the website. So, Sean, once again, thank you for this honour. Over to you. I can't wait to hear your book in your voice. This is The God of Bones. And I'm very grateful to uh, Kim at Alba Publishing. What I'm going to do to begin with is, in order to set the context of this book, uh, there are two Japanese words you would need to, to know, which I don't expect too many of you to know, which is, is a shogyu mujo. And shogyu means um, all things, and mujo means uh, impermanent or nothing is permanent. So this is a very central theme in Eastern philosophy that nothing remains, uh, doesn't, nothing is beyond decay, everything dies, everything is, is gone, everything will disappear. But what's important from a philosophical point of view is in uh, Japanese aesthetics, this is the at the heart of all beauty, for beauty is found in loss itself, right up to and including death. So um, is not simply an Eastern philosophy, uh, Western philosophy, particularly ancient Greeks. <clears throat> many of them spoke about things like uh, this famous phrase of you cannot step into the same river twice. So this is not an unfamiliar idea to Western philosophy as well. It's not confined to Eastern philosophy. And it informs the aesthetics of the God of Bones. In the beginning of the God of Bones, I, I have a quote from uh, a writer, we don't know who it is, who wrote a huge tome of literature called the Heike Monogatari. So I'm going to read that first before I read my own work, because this is what readers first see in the book. And this is at the heart of the entire book. This is the philosophy behind it. So from the opening lines of the Heike Monogatari, I shall read. The sound of the Gion Shoja bells echoes the impermanence of all things. The color of the sala flowers reveals the truth that the prosperous must decline. The proud do not endure. They are like a dream on a spring night. The mighty fall at last. They are as dust before the wind. So I'll read the first piece I'm going to read today is called Decline or Dream. I'm going to read Dream first. So this is Dream. As the bells of St. Mary's ring out in my childhood, now as then, ancient tolls echo from the Heike Monogatari, where sound the words like a dream on a spring night. Like but not like, the smell in my uncle's workshop in Nina when I was a child. That smell of wood, naturally, or woods, 
planks against the wall, fresh two by fours by the bench, corner cuts beside the mounted vice. The smells of sawdust, new cut and stale, the smell of the sharpening stone, turned by hand, the slivering sparks from a sharpening chisel and the lingering odors of human sweat, decades long. Oilskins on a door hook, the smell of my uncle's oily hair, rich dark, never washed, all blend and bend into one special smell, not so much recalled or remembered. It is alive as a dream in this dreaming life. Long since, my uncle dead and the house demolished, gone, gone but for that smell, still there whenever I think of him or hear the word carpenter. From Skeleton Trees, the Crows of St. Mary's calling our names. Thank you very much. The second piece uh, I'm going to read is called Secrets. Secrets. Mother Cat, discarding the silent kitten from her noisy litter. Millie Dwyer died after giving birth in the grotto behind the closed church. It was during the first night she ever spent outside the house she was born in. They say she went there for help from the Virgin Mary, that she died in the arms of God, that her baby went straight to heaven. The forensic pathologist did not say any of these things. She told the coroner that Millie had severed the umbilical cord with the scissors and tied it successfully, that she and her child were alive together for perhaps four or five hours, and they were found in an embrace. Drying in May sunshine, the rag doll on the clothesline, both eyes missing. Thank you. There are five highborn in this book with the title, The God of Bones. I'll read the first of them. In each of these sections, the God of Bones, which is a karmic God, who knows the lives that people have lived, gives instructions on how we should deal with the bones of our dead based on the type of life they have led. So this is the first of the instructions of the God of Bones. The God of Bones won. The most delicate and plentiful are the bones of a child. Gather them up with care and place on starched linen over an altar of stone. We sing to them for hope, and on nights when storms rage, in candle glow, we vigil them with murmuring prayers. The chirps of siskins among blackened mourners, two white coffins. Thank you. I move to uh, relatively recent times in a piece called Sleep. And I dedicate this to the person I'm speaking about in this high one. Sleep. By the banks of the Milieshka, 
she stepped out of a side street into the sun. Her hair black as her skirt, her blouse all pristine white. By her side, dangling empty, a loose shopping bag. I admired her confident gait, her purposeful stride, her certainty. Roadside daffodils, the crack of sniper bullets, anger the air. Moments later, she was dead. I had seen her fall as I rushed for cover. I slouched and stared at her body lying in the open, her brown eyes looking at me, unseeing. I wanted to crawl over and lie with her, wanted to hold her in her sleep. I longed for her to wake up and tell me of her dreams. I wanted to whisper her name. That brief time, while she lay near me, feels like a year, and a decade since like minutes. Tearlessly I mourn her, that unknown lady, whose loss I can only comprehend as a kind of love. Listen to the whisper. Wake up. Wake up. Thank you. This is called Hands. Dream in a long night, my dead friends and I, dancing in treetops. In the black of night, woken by the calls of my father, he has borrowed the voice of the wind god, yet I recognize him, his reaching cries. He calls me by my forever name, the one I had before mother and father were born. Naked, I move through the window, then the hedge outside, feeling it brush me, soft as Lanugo. Over dew-forming grass I walk, following his appeal, until I feel him and know he gestures for me to bow down low, crawl into a tangle of briars whose thorns do not cut, but somehow salve and ease me through a tunnel of dense growth above rough earth. I straighten up, my father's wind god voice always before me, the ground dropping downwards, increasing my speed, till I am running and faster propelled by a gravity beyond the pool of earth. I feel no more the pound of ground, and nothing around me but darkness, air. Black winter moon, unseen waves crashing, the taste of sea spray. Flung out, falling, a sense of heaving water way below, eyes stream in the salty air and, tumbling forward, the coming into focus of hands reaching up to me, out of the ocean, the hands of everyone I ever met who has died. Young Kevin's hands, Mikey's too, old man Grace and the fiddler Donahue, the hands of grandparents, uncles and aunts already gone, Cousins, school friends, buddies and lovers, the longed for, the lost. Watanabe Sama, felled by cancer, the girl who dropped from the Seto Bridge, broke the inland sea, and her stillborn child, never named. The hands of dead patients whom I washed in mortuaries, all of them and each of them, 
reaching up to cushion and comfort, so I may be free from fear to answer the call my father makes on his and their behalf. Into the non-moon, warm on the horizon, our ship of ghosts. Thank you very much. I will move forward into the, the fourth instructions from the God of Bones in this book. The God of Bones 4. In keeping with the nobility of their way, take the hip bones of the wanderer, where the weight of their worldly belongings were born. Ilium, Ischium and Pubis, the sacrum and the coccyx. Keep to the unifying pubic symphysis. Wipe them free of all dust, and hide them in plain sight, for the wanderer leaves this life without a trace. This nothingness world, in all its insouciance, slow falling snow. Thank you very much. Uh, the penultimate piece, you have to say that when you're a writer, penultimate piece is called Reach. By a static lake, the god of water says Reach. So I pick up a stone, hand-sized and round, made smooth by the constant caress of the water god. Reaching back, tilting to a transfer of weight, the finding of fulcrum, eyes fixed on the shadow shape of an island a holy place. Not a sound, but an outbreath and swing of stone arching high and away into darkness. The God of water watches, waiting. Absorbed into the nothingness, the soundless stone arcs unseen. I wait for a kaplunk that does not come. No rolling ripples reach my feet. Into the forever waiting, Almost inaudibly, the god of water whispers, Look. Hidden and revealed in the sway of bulrushes, tonight's only star. Thank you very much. So I'm not sure if uh, the one after the penultimate is the ultimate. It may not be the ultimate, but it is the last piece I'm going to read. And it's called Perfection. Just days old, the four babies lie crossways in a single cot. Four round faces, mouths gasping, their unfocused eyes swimming with wonder. A blanket has been clipped above the cot to protect them from flying glass should the windows blow in. Spring sunlight, so perfectly formed, eight tiny hands. Thank you all very much. <laughs> There's a, quite a few people here. I see Bob Whelan there, actually. Uh, Bob, Bob is the is a poet from Rockport in Massachusetts, and 
next April, I'll be meeting him in person. I'm doing a reading over there. And Bob's a very fine poet. Uh, you've read The God of Bones, Bob, have you? Did you enjoy it? And, you have to say yes. I have. Yes, uh, I've read it twice. <laughs> I don't think I've read it twice. <laughs> it's it's phenomenal. The, the host of today who was talking when I got on really stated it it uplifts and changes how to think about Hybun and the the liminal space that it puts you into each time that to me is the space where real truth is that moment between life and death every possibility every ending uh, there were parts in the book where and even when you were reading today it's difficult not to cry but it's wabi-sabi type of cry so i i really appreciate it i think it's great thank you so much Bob. joe how are you doing joe balistrari uh, yeah, I have read the book, which I thoroughly loved, but hearing you read it was awesome. And the resonance of the words that take me into a liminal space and the possibilities of that, um, going through a period of a lot of loss myself, I'm finding the beauty in that, and I'm finding the transience in that, and I'm finding the impermanence. And so the book really speaks to that for me. I applaud you. It's a wonderful achievement. Thank you so much, Joe. Kate, Felit, uh, uh, would you like to say hello, Kate? In, you're in El Paso, I assume, in Texas. Yes, welcome. Uh, thank you, Sean. And greetings from... El Paso. Uh, and Sean, like everyone else, I've read the book and I thoroughly love it. And what struck me about it was its deeply meditative and reflective quality, especially talking about things that I think need to be talked about in a way that people don't, don't often talk about them. So as always, I find your writing incredibly moving and, and powerful. And as Joe said, hearing you read it, it just adds a Whole another layer of resonance to it, which brings it to life in so many dramatic ways. So, thank you so much, Sean. Could I say hello to? Uh, I I think you pronounce your name Pravat or Pravat in India. Thank you, Sian, and uh, uh, good morning to all of my poet friends. Uh, actually, I uh, appreciate your uh, Oriental thinking infusing into the literature of Haibun. I might yeah. mention at the end that in the quote that I had from the Heike Monogatari, it opens with the sounds of the Gion Shoja bells. Mm -hmm. And Gion Shoja refers to uh, the idea of the first bell of the first Buddhist temple by the Buddha in India. Yeah. So, yeah, so Gion Shoja is, is they're the bells they're referring to. So you can see they're talking about the echoes throughout the whole of time. I should have mentioned that when I was going to read it. It changes our perspective on what they're saying. Echoes the impermanence of all things. 
the first major high one in in literature is Basho's Narrow Road to the Deep North. Yeah, that's true. Which opens with the words, and I, I quote in translation, the months and days of the travellers of eternity, the years that come and go are voyagers too, and so on. This is the opening lines of this great long high one. And the magic word there is eternity, the months and days of the travellers of eternity. And you can see that from the get-go in Basho's classic work, we are immediately confronted by the notion of eternity and impermanence and so on and the journey. So uh, I didn't, uh, I can't claim credit for this. <laughs> this is a very old, what I'm doing is really going back to the roots of the Hybon form uh, or not going back, but I'm staying with it. That might be a better way to put it. Um, uh, Ileana, um, how are you? You're, you're the editor now of uh, Blind Spirit. I'm sure many of you will have heard of Blind Spirit. How are you getting on? Um, first of all, congratulations. Your book is, in a way, also about immortality. Um, in a way, yeah. It's not for me to say what my book is about, but when I hear you say that, let's this just say... This is how I felt, yes. <laughs> it, it makes sense to to me what you're saying let's put it like that I, i'm not surprised to hear that during the q a there were a number of requests for sean to do an encore so i'm going to leave it to sean to close out today's proceedings and just say to him thank you so much sean it was a joy a pleasure and a privilege to be here today could I just ask Kim Richardson to unmute? And I just want to say to you, Kim, you've been fabulous so far. And I have high <laughs> hopes, <laughs> high hopes that that will continue. <laughs> but I'd like to thank you personally because uh, you're more than a publisher to me. You've published, is this the fourth book now? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and there's more to come. And uh, I just got to say that you've been. I've learned so much from you in the past uh, few years that we've been um, working together and I can't thank you enough. Well, you're very welcome. And uh, I've actually learned more from you than, than you've learned from me, but it's a wonderful process. And I, I am very moved by the way that your writing has evolved and continues to evolve and to flower, I think would be the only word I could think into depths and heights and almost sort of transcendent transcendence that is it's extra, really extraordinary and hearing you read it hearing the words in your breath in the writers this applies i think to much writing but hearing the words in the author's own breath brings it into a completely new dimension and it, i was i moved to tears hearing some of those pieces and i've read them many times so i thank you for your thanks but it's a wonderful journey that i am enjoying enormously um and thank you again kim and i i, I can't see everybody on screen all at once and i was uh, i i appreciate every single one of you for coming along and uh, i hope you enjoy the work i do and I certainly enjoy reading so much work coming into the Highburn Journal and other people's work. I, there's nothing I like more than reading people's work, and it's inspiring to me to do that. And I thank you very much. How about I read this piece called Lost, and then we'll say goodbye. How does that sound?
Lost. Breakfast alone, then pack a rucksack. Destination, nowhere in particular. On the doorstep, this beautiful stoat, its dead eyes gleaming. Gravel, turn onto the Nina Road, past the floating ballroom. Under black cloud, marsh swans, their whiteness. Onto the motorway, southbound, on the radio, Brexit uncertainty, a coup in Turkey, instability, crisis. Between bogs, the hard highway, racing on. Drive onwards and head for small roads, grassy dirt tracks through the burren, drive until there is no one, walk west to the coast. Unforgiving, a world of stone, this silence. Hunger, somewhere, everywhere, famine graves. Over distant turlocks, rain threatens. The cry of a bird among rocks, unanswered. Atop a brow of stone, the Atlantic in view. By its brim below, a road winds, nothing in all directions. A cold ocean, empty land, one black hut. Stop to eat, hunger without appetite, this pointless longing, somehow amplified by the fact of breeding, alive in hostility, downhill, steps heavy and awkward, the air becomes salty, the ground levelling out, finally, lying prostrate, inching over the cliff, now I can hear it, in this world, no one knows where I am, nobody. <laughs>